The materials provided are for information only and do not constitute as an offer. For investment advice, please consult professional advisors. Neither Zach or Jack are financial advisors. The information contained in this podcast episode has been compiled with considerable care to ensure its accuracy at the date of publication. However, no representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made to accuracy or completeness. We shall not be responsible for any consequential effect, nor be liable for any direct, consequential, incidental, indirect loss or damage, however caused, arising from the use of, inability to use, or reliance upon any information or materials provided on this podcast, whether or not such loss or damage is caused by us. Links to third-party sites are provided for your information only. The content and software of these sites have been issued by third parties. As such, we cannot be responsible for the accuracy of information contained in these sites, nor be held liable for any loss or damage arising from or related to their use. Investors should be cautious about any and all crypto asset and investment recommendations and should consider the source of any advice on crypto asset selection. Various factors, including personal or corporate ownership, may influence or factor into an expert's stock analysis or opinion. All investors are advised to conduct their own independent research into individual crypto assets before making a purchase decision. In addition, investors are advised that past crypto asset performance is no guarantee of future price appreciation. Do not invest money you cannot afford to lose. All investments come with a degree of risk. Hello, Jack. Hello, Zach. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Looking through the window at a beautiful day here in California. How's it feel to be back in New York? Feels very good. Very good. Uh, I had a fantastic time in Europe, uh, but it's good to be home. And it's good to be back on the mic with you. It's good to be back talking about crypto. We have another exciting guest today. Uh, why don't you give him a proper introduction? So today uh, we have Dael Shalev. He is a Israeli fintech entrepreneur and writer on two topics that are really dear to my heart, Bitcoin and the paleo diet. He is an avid blogger as well, all in Hebrew and was introduced by a good friend of mine in the cryptocurrency space. I've been looking forward to this conversation for about a month now. Del, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for uh, having me on the show. So, Dale, we mentioned that uh, you're in the legacy financial space. Uh, I guess maybe that's a good place to start. Could you talk to us more about your business and what you're doing in that space? Uh, sure. In the last, uh, I would say, 15 years or so, I am uh, in everything about uh, the SWIFT area. SWIFT is an international uh, network for money transfer between banks. It's owned by the banks and it's uh, only banks or financial institutions are members of it. And I, uh, my company, STP House, uh, is a company that works with SWIFT and with other and, and, and with banks to connect them to SWIFT to streamline their internal processing of payments from the back office of the bank into the SWIFT network and vice versa, uh, which means I'm pretty much in the depth of the international money transfer processes in the banks and in the financial institutions and in the network as a whole. Knowing that brought me also to the Bitcoin space uh, a few years back. But indeed, these are totally parallel lines, not, uh, not competing one. In my mind, anyway. So tell me a little bit more about how, you know, your business operates. And then more specifically, like, what what prompted you to learn learn about Bitcoin? And then how did that shift to 
you know, integrating Bitcoin or blockchain kind of into international money transfer? Okay. So uh, my, in, in my business, it's a typical old world or traditional banking world business of uh, or IT business of streamlining and automating financial transactions. For us, sometimes uh, as a naive uh, bank uh, client, it seems like, you know, uh, we just send the instruction, it's out the door. I, actually, in the international transaction, usually it's much more complicated than that. Uh, there are many parties involved in between, so it's not directly between one bank to the other because not every bank have as direct relationship with any other bank. So you have to go through intermediate bank uh, or correspondent bank. You have to go through internal processes of AMA, anti-money laundering checks, uh, of uh, multiple signatures within the bank, you know, who sign it, who approves it, uh, what do you do in rejection, uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, and each bank different, differs in that. And, and what we do, uh, is we we streamline on this process to make it as possible as automated as possible. Now, still, the actual day-to-day life in most international transactions it takes several days for the money to move. Meaning, from the moment you send it until the other party can actually use it, it's about three days. So even even if you see it in your account after a couple of days, still the receiving bank will hold the money. If there is no uh, rejection or there is a, uh, no changes from, from the sender's side. So this makes the whole market very inefficient. You know, your money is out there somewhere. No one benefits from it. You cannot get interest for it. You cannot get loans on, on that. You cannot, uh, you know, clear your credit or anything which of significant to the business cannot be done and multiply it with all financial transactions worldwide. So it's like trillions of dollars moving around and doing nothing, making no use to no one. So the whole system is very ineffective. It's also ineffective from security point of view. So most of the recent years, it was considered to be a very safe network. Uh, because it's owned by the banks, only banks are members. It's not like a hacker theoretically can can join the network and send it to himself. Because you can send money in Swift only to other banks. However, a couple of years ago, it was apparent this is not the case, or so this is not really the case, and there are real threats there from hackers. So the famous incident was slightly more than two years ago in Bangladesh, the Bangladeshian Central Bank lost uh, 100 millions of dollars out of 1 billion that uh, the thieves tried to, or the hacker tried to, to move out of the bank. And it was actually caught by nearly a mis- stupid mistake by, by, by the hackers. Details are not that important. The point was that SWIFT uh, was exposed as having some weak links in which hackers or more sophisticated Third parties can indeed enter it and transfer money under even within the, the secure network. This makes a whole fuss uh, within the SWIFT network and they're still running around how to better protect the network uh, from processes and so on. So I hope it was not too lengthy lesson or lecture. The point is that in, in my mind, the SWIFT network and the 
baseline of the international money transfer is still today a very old, inefficient, very cumbersome system. Yes, I make my, I, I, I have a company that is specializing on that. Nevertheless, we as a community, as a banking clients, we use very old methods, not effective, uh, risky even, uh, for our money. So it, it's also expensive just to send money, you know. Uh, it charged, your bank typically will charge you $50 for international transfer. So I think this is the old legacy world. And a few years ago, four years ago actually, I stumbled across uh, Bitcoin and it's totally changed my mind and, and, and give me a, a very deep or wide perspective over what can be done and how superior is the Bitcoin space compared to the existing banking world or the existing money market structure. It's fascinating to me that you're in this space and you're sort of heavily you know, invested in the SWIFT protocol in some ways, yet you're very optimistic about Bitcoin and you're, all, you're clearly passionate about it. So before we dive into how Bitcoin specifically would be used in this space, I'm curious if you think that other people who are invested in SWIFT, the banks, other people providing similar services as yourself, are they as maybe clear-headed on the limitations of that system? And are they actively looking to incorporate new technologies like Bitcoin? Or are you uh, a little bit more unique? I think that the... If, if I may speak on behalf of the system, you know, I think that everyone understands the weaknesses and the threats uh, on it uh, as they are apparent. And we just met them in the recent years very, very strongly. And indeed, SWIFT uh, is doing indeed a lot of effort to reinvent themselves or uh, info, uh, enforce better processes and security methods and also to shorten a settlement cycle from three days and they target to have it within a one day or few hours for, for most of the uh, transaction within a couple of years or so in an initiative called GPI, Global Payment Initiative, that they are now pushing very strongly. They will improve. Okay, They are looking to improve themselves. But they do it mainly because they see, they understand the threat. They don't understand the opportunity. So Bitcoin uh, became a red flag for all the bank community, for Swift in, in specific, and they clearly saw the, the technology advantage, the, the timing advantages and so on of uh, the crypto and Bitcoin. So, so they are trying to innovate because they don't want to lose the war. Nevertheless, they never considered it as a real deep threat in the sense it took over. I will. I haven't met, and I, I meet bankers all the day, you know, all the, every day. I haven't met, and I must say, people in key positions in the banking industry that hold strong beliefs with regards to Bitcoin or, or crypto, they 
may say, okay, the technology is great, but uh, the use is, is, uh, will be only on the traditional world or things like in that nature, you know, the blockchain or Bitcoin thing. Uh, so I, I'm not sure I'm unique because I'm not consider myself as part of the banking space. I'm giving services to the banking. I think this is part of my professional network. I'm not a bank. I, I, I was never grown within a bank. So I think uh, it like masks them uh, or the way they were raised and, and, and trained in the financial industry, like masks them for seeing or to evaluate the actual benefits of, of Bitcoin. How open are you with the banking community about kind of your, these concerns and your thoughts? I'm very blunt. Uh, in general, the... What? An Israeli blunt? Get out of town. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, again, I'm not unique in that, but just I had the opportunity. I was invited to speak directly on a, a, a national community committee that is held, uh, that was held by the... Uh, deputy commissioner uh, of the Bank of Israel. So uh, it was really, it was in the Bank of Israel. There were many uh, people from different divisions within the bank and outside of the bank, like from uh, the tax authorities, from, from the anti-money laundering authorities, and so on. And I told them, uh, you know, straight and in a, in a very blunt way, you know, the way I see it, the way why I think they're wrong about about the way they are treating crypto in general, why why it's like they are just moving in the wrong direction and hoping it will fail and hoping or, or assuring themselves it's it's nothing. It's like just the noise out there. It's nothing to it's nothing real in it. You know, this is a story they are telling themselves. And indeed, the banking as a community. And the crypto as a community are still standing in the two opposite sides of the fence instead of joining forces. I guess it's not unique to Israel. I know it's worldwide. If if, if you had some uh, benefits, uh, if if you uh, capitalized some of your Bitcoin and uh, you want to deposit the money in the bank, most bank in the world will not accept it. And even if they, some Swiss bank will accept it, you will want to move the money into your bank account in your own country, whether it's in Israel or in another country, your bank might refuse accepting that money just because its origin is from Bitcoin, regardless, even though you can may, may have receipts on, on buying it or you, you did no actions or no trading uh, with it. So it's really uh, still, we're still in the very early days in which, there is a lot of suspicious from the banking. They, they really don't know what to do with it on a practical level. They're just fencing themselves, okay? Even, even building higher walls even. So where do you see the opportunity or opportunities? If speaking about, uh, let's speak about Bitcoin because I think this is the, the most, uh, the, the strongest argument or instrument right now. Uh, and it's really good as a use case. So we know all the benefits of Bitcoin for the, the one holding it, okay? It's always available to you. You don't need to ask permission from anyone, not from the, you don't have to have a bank account or any 
third-party account in order to hold it or to order to transfer it or to receive it, and the actual transaction is immediate, uh, is immediate and, and in any peer-to-peer fashion like any cash movement would be. That brings a lot of power in the, it, it gives a lot of power in the hands of every one of us. Okay, so in that sense, Bitcoin is a, is a tool of empowering the people. But not only that, the global nature of it, moving not, not for any distance in literally a speed of light, speaking about lightning, and with zero cost, again, speaking about lightning, literally zero costs, this reduces all the things about the way the market works. So again, just consider how the existing market uh, of any supplier or any vendor uh, is working right now, where the international payment takes three days in which the money is not working for anyone, not for the one who sent it and not for the one who should receive it. So the money is like gone. And multiply it with all the money in the world. And multiply it with all the fees that you are paying just to justify it. And with all the huge system built around that. And consider this money being used for growth of these businesses. You know, which literally is nearly all the businesses that are doing any international activity or any selling to abroad. Like all the importer, exporter, everyone eventually is part of this uh, of this market, which is in a global scale, it's like endless. So the potential to improve our our overall co- economy, you know, really in a in a worldwide scale, is like enormous. It's really mind blowing. The whole money market, or, or or the whole international payments and transfers, it can be also remittance. It can be uh, even small. Payments people are sending to their families abroad, or oh, all of these moving immediately, spontaneously, uh, 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 with zero fees, and I've I don't have to have you know the one-to-one relationship like between my bank and your bank, and and if they don't have this direct relationship, we should feed a third bank or third and fourth bank in the way just in order to money to move. All of this can go on, can be com- completely gone. So, so in a, even if just on the economic scale, not speaking about you know the the, uh, the benefits for the security of a person, no one can seize your money, no one can uh, stop you for saying or, or moving uh, money just because of political uh, issues or, or other uh, for any reason. So the freedom is very the freedom front is very strong. And, and the power of the people is very strong, but at the same time, only also the economic activity itself can become much more efficient rather than on the existing system. Well, I think we certainly agree that those are all extremely exciting areas where Bitcoin can improve the status quo. You know, when you're when you're talking about all these businesses doing international business and they're sending money abroad. It's not only that those businesses who are already transacting abroad will see their costs um, reduced and will have more to invest in themselves, but 
you'd have to imagine there's a whole litany of transactions that aren't happening now because it's prohibitively expensive. So imagining you know, that whole set of transactions that can now take place because the system has become more efficient is exciting. I think Zach and I are both very curious if you think that there is a good partnership or an obvious partnership between existing banks and technologies like Bitcoin. How do you think, if you were advising banks, how would you advise them to adopt crypto into their business model, or would you advise them to do that at all? I, I, I would. Of course I will. I, I think we can look at that on, on several levels. My uh, assumption is that fiat money is not going to go away that quickly. Okay, Fiat money is going to still be around in the neighborhood for quite a bit. Okay, So the banks are still needed because the banks are the current only way to keep uh, or just to keep and to store your fiat money. At the same time, we also understand that crypto is not going anywhere. And crypto is here to stay and to grow. And more and more people will have it. So now it's a question back to the bank. Where do they want themselves to be? What is their business? Are they helping people and in return getting fees? Or are they a tool of the government to control the people? I think it's a question of the banks to ask themselves. So if this is in mind, there are several ways, if I'm advising banks what to do with crypto, there are several things that they can help the people, help their clients to use or or to be more effective with their financial decisions. And at the same time, you know, gain client trust. So it can start with very simple things. Like if I have my uh, bank showing me all of my assets, I would be really happy also to see my Bitcoin addresses or other crypto assets there as well as part of the dashboard. This is no no brainer. This is something very, the bank doesn't even have to hold my crypto in order to do so. It's just to enable it as part of my total asset. And maybe if I can show him proofs of my holding of some of the assets, uh, maybe I my, my overall profile as what's my asset, is, my, my, what my rating for the bank is, or my, my credit uh, will differ as part of that. This is like the next level. There are additional things the bank can do. Some of the banks consider it, although I didn't see actual traction yet, and that is the question whether people will want to keep their Bitcoin by themselves with all the hassle around that, you know, knowing your seed, working with a hardware wallet, and so on and so forth. Or they would want a, a third party or some combination of a third party. Because obviously just giving your keys to the bank is not a good idea as well. And it's actually hindering the actual idea of, of, of crypto be your own bank. But nevertheless, some people are not that savvy, technical, or not that technical savvy, or they just prefer some insurance or some assistance with that. And the bank can give a range of services around that. It can be, it can hold like one key if you're having multiple keys for signing. So you know that with an ID, 
they will take out the key. Maybe this is something that bank can give you as a service that you will be happy to pay for because a bank already know how to identify you. They have branches. They know, they, they know how to do processes and they are regulated, which is also important. They are not scammers. <laughs> okay, some would say that some banks are scammers or all banks are scammers, but they are not scammers in the sense that will, they will take your keys and run easily. If you have the other key, maybe they cannot even do you much harm. So there are all kinds of options there. And then if you still go up the ladder, so saving some of your keys in a multi-environment is one, but maybe having the bank as, your, as an entity that can control the processes that you will define. So for example, CASA, uh, Casa Odell uh, has a process of multiple signature, like three or five uh, out of five, and then several uh, hardware wallets that are separated uh, across several places, some of them within Casa. The bank can act in a similar fashion. The bank can be your bank for the crypto in that sense. Okay? So there are many ways in which the bank can help and can benefit directly from that. The last but not least, every bank can be a crypto exchange uh, or a crypto change. You know, for now, if you want to replace your dollars for, for Bitcoin, uh, you do it with ex- out-of-bank services. You, you go to Coinbase or you go to any other exchange that you can deposit your money and then get Bitcoin out of it. But consider the bank can do it. You know, he, he already owns your fiat money, your dollars. It's easy for him to verify the source of the money from AML perspective. It's easier for everyone to make sure that the Bitcoin source is not was not involved in other activities. Uh, so it's like, also was uh, cleared by anti-money laundering rules. So all of this is also very beneficial and people will be happy to pay for that. So Bitcoin and crypto can bring a lot of opportunity for the banks that will dare to innovate in that space. And the fact is that they are not there. They are too intimidating by unclarity of the anti-money laundering rules. They are or they are not, or they're misunderstanding or re- misrepresenting the, internally the importance of Bitcoin and, and the other crypto in the, in the minds of their clients. Because I think that clients that already have Bitcoin are not going to pass them or, or, or not use it just because the, your bank is not using it, right? So you keep having your Bitcoin and you keep having your banking account. You wish your bank will be more friendly to you, you know, in all the range of, of activities that I uh, just mentioned. It can be on, on a view level, it can be on a screening level, it can be on a holding level or key, le- you know, holding some keys and so on and so forth. All of these are things that the bank can be your partner rather than, you know, an entity saying, I have nothing to do with that just because it's not fiat. Yes, it's not fiat, but it's still my money, and I would want to manage it and to 
hold it in the best possible uh, manner. I would want to get cre- uh, credit based on it and, or, or get loans or, 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 or give deposits, whatever. So, so far, we've just talked about Bitcoin in the context of these money transfers. Are, are you looking at like other crypto assets that might be kind of better for this or, or are you mainly just been focusing on Bitcoin? Everything I said about banks is relevant to all crypto assets, obviously. So uh, banks, not necessarily, if they go in that direction, they, they, they will be able to serve their clients in a range of currencies, and not just one. Uh, in the money transfer world, I think the nature of, of the exact currency that will be used is less of import. I personally believe that Bitcoin will rule in that space. Uh, I don't see any other candidate currently, you know, threatening this. But nevertheless, uh, my my uh, statement was general, comparing the existing money structure or money transfer structure technology structures technology stack uh, the way it's structured and the crypto space and the the differences are so huge uh, and the benefits are so clear or evident in the one direction the other direction the other party has to adapt has to change or it will be just uh, crawling. They will, uh, will lose every battle after the other. So it will be in small. It's not going to be like a revolution. It's not like one day everything collapsed. No, it, it's it's not like that. But slowly but steadily. And when you say Bitcoin, are you referring to like multiple different chains of Bitcoin? Are you referring to BTC, BCH? BTC, BTC. I think that uh, I think it's a, maybe it's a, a it's a point for a different discussion, but the the Bitcoin itself has something very unique in that. In it's very you know like a one-time event that we couldn't reproduce it. So we we could fork it and like, like as if we reproduced it, but it's not really the case. The for many different reasons. This is uh, currently the case. It's not a matter of judgment whether it's good or not good, but this is uh, actually the case. The, the anonymity of uh, Satoshi, the way it's been evolved in the first years, the, and, and the, like external reasons, like, you know, simply its market share and its price and so many other, uh, and the number of users, all these and and also the innovation itself in that space makes the Bitcoin itself a different animal than everything else. Everything else, and it's I, I'm not unique in that. I, uh, I think um, assessment is a testing ground for many ideas. Some of them have their own uh, justification and their own uh, worth. Uh, no doubt about that. If I'm speaking about global scale and about global effect uh, and what will move everything forward, it will be Bitcoin. Would you think that if, if Bitcoin had a faster you know, transaction settlement time and lower fees, would that be better for international money transfers? No, I don't think it's really matter. Uh, it doesn't really matter. I, first of all, you have to compare between 
you know, the current and whether if you are doing a business, okay, and you are getting paid for the work you've delivered in any international uh, transfer, in reality, it doesn't really matter if it's seconds or minutes. Uh, it doesn't really matter, okay? You, you couldn't care less. If, if the settlement is done within, you know, the next 10 minutes, even in a local country, what it's called RTGS, real-time growth settlement, when you do with your fiat money, domestic payments, uh, which are real-time, whether it can be in Euro, uh, Euroclear, if it's in Europe, it can be in the States with wire and so on. Uh, most countries country have some kind of RTGS uh, protocol or network uh, locally. Still, it takes roughly 20 minutes to complete. And I never heard that there is any problem with that commercially. Yeah, it's good enough for, for high-value payments, obviously. For low-value payments, indeed, you have to have immediate uh, immediate payments for all low-value. What's low? It's a question of timing and perspective and, and the community, and this might also evolve as time goes by. But I think that for low-payment value, indeed, we have to have immediate uh, payment. We are not there yet, so lightning is nice. There are many challenges with lightning, like liquidity have, and so. Have you looked at other crypto assets or the other implementations of Bitcoin on that? Because it, from my understanding, it seems like there's actually a, a fair amount of assets that are there in terms of, you know, basically yes. fast and free. I, yeah, I, I, I uh, when I said we are not there yet, I meant not from technology front but from Bitcoin front, okay, the Bitcoin implementation as is, is not there in that sense. Obviously, there is always a, a balance between how fast you want to go, how aggressive you want to be versus how massive are the changes, how precautious, uh, what precautions did you take, and so on. So I, I really don't want to go into that, you know, debate well, whether we need to move faster on the Bitcoin front development, whether the prudent approach is more appropriate. Uh, for, in my mind, again, uh, Bitcoin will be the one that moves or, or uh, push, <laughs> push the industry ahead. Yes, all the forks and the different implementations bring a lot of value in the sense of the innovation of like it's like a test bed, a testing ground. Uh, they are checking. It's like you go with a stick and you uh, go in front of you with a stick on a on, on a land that you're not sure whether it's uh, sticky or not, or whether whether it's dangerous. And you just take the stick and put it in the ground to check the check the ground. Okay, so it, it it's a bit like that. Maybe people. Take it, uh, you know, uh, how, how do you say it on these uh, important folks? Yeah, I, this is my view. These are important tests. Some of them really impressive. Some of them are not based on Bitcoin at all, okay? Like 
zero knowledge proofs, all kind of implementations that are very interesting. It might have, probably will have, a lot of benefits in the world, in the actual world. Some of them might continue as uh, real currencies with real benefits. But if I'm looking in a zoom out kind of, or, or for, from 30K feet, what the tectonic movements going to look like? What the, what the things that will change society, that will change the global adaptation? This would be, in my at least assumption, or my understanding right now, it will be the Bitcoin itself. Well, I want to I get back to big picture stuff in a second, but I think that a lot of people listening to this would be upset with us if we didn't at least broach the topic of Ripple. Ripple is obviously a crypto project, cryptocurrency that has claimed that they're going to replace a lot of major intrabank payment functions. From your vantage point, does that seem likely? No. I um, I would say, l- let me differentiate my answer, okay? Uh, or why, why I'm saying no to start with. So Ripple is a, a nice idea indeed. And uh, what Ripple, Ripple is actually competing with Swift and they are really competing with them aggressively. Uh, for, for example, every year Swift has their annual event, which is a, their major event. It's called Cybos. Uh, and it's like, I don't know, 5,000, 6,000 suits in one, one place from all around the world. And, and it's like a long time tradition of this event. Now, Ripple made their event at the same time in the same city uh, because it's a great opportunity for them. You know, all the bankers are already there. All the suits, okay, just across the street to meet the Ripple people. This is just an anecdote, but in, indeed, Ripple made a simple process to make the settlements much faster outside of SWIFT or instead of SWIFT, actually. We have to understand that the way Ripple works, nothing really to do with blockchain and all the things that maybe people think about crypto. And actually, the crypto as the asset Ripple has nothing to do with the banks using Ripple as a service. Okay, it's also a misconception of many people. So, the actual tokens, the XRP, nothing to do with that. So, also this is important to remember. So, if evaluating Ripple doesn't, even if succeeded, it's not necessarily implying on the XRP as a currency that has its own challenges, like supply, like who holds it, uh, who controls it, a third party that. Uh, or trustee that holds uh, uh, the rest of, of, of the money supply. So, so there are other questions regarding the X, XRP as, as a currency, okay, as a cryptocurrency. Going back to Ripple as, um, as a technology, as a company that uh, takes it as a challenge or as a mission to make global transactions faster and cheaper, technology-wise it can work. I think that the banking world in specific is very political based in the sense that banks hold the power 
and they are not going to move out the power to external party, which is not part of themselves. So SWIFT, as an example, is a cooperative that is owned and controlled fully by the banks. So the banks are the data are the shareholders of SWIFT and it's a non-for-profit organization. It's not that effective organization, but this is the fact. So Ripple is uh, trying to put rails between banks as an independent external company and move or persuade the bank to move there. And I think that, again, and this is my reflection here, I'm not going into in-depth on the technology side and how much it competes with existing, obviously with the existing implementation of SWIFT, it has a lot of benefits, but my, my reflection was really about the nature of the interbanking processes. And although Ripple are there quite some time, from my understanding at least, they are not being a, a real threat on SWIFT. Banking do play with that. They do want to innovate. They do want to do some stuff. At the same time, SWIFT uh, are pushing very hard the GPI, uh, which I've mentioned before, uh, which targets to complete, I think, something like 90, 90 to 95% of the transactions within, uh, within an hour. So uh, there is a challenge also from SWIFT so I, I hope it addresses your question or ask for, for reflection on that. But we know that any asset, we saw in 2017, just a couple of years ago, you know, that assets or current cryptocurrency could spike hundreds of thousands of, in percentage regardless of their any value or benefit, okay? Dogecoin would be like... <laughs> the best case of that okay you can have something that has no use no sense no nothing and still people can trade it and and persuade themselves it was hundreds of times more and again it's not a trading advice but people uh, usually don't act rationally so uh, market can behave differently therefore i I never consider myself as someone that can give investment advice. Pivoting a little bit to something that was brought up in the discussion of Ripple, you mentioned that banks want to maintain control. And it strikes me that there is somewhat of an alliance between banks and states and that there's vested interest in both parties in retaining as much control over the flow of money in an economy as they can manage. Do you think that there's any way there'll be defection by certain banks to become more crypto-friendly? Or do you, do you think it's more likely that the industry as a whole just stays resistant? And if they do stay resistant, do you see that as their ultimate downfall or maybe not? downfall to zero but downfall from where they are question. now it's a good question so just just an example i think this week something i think it was santander bank that got one billion uh, dollar in fraud one billion 
due a single transaction of 500k US dollar that someone deposited in cash in one of the um, in the Gulf countries so in one of the branches someone came with a suitcase with half a million dollars in cash and the bank uh, clerk accepted it with no questions asked uh, which is something that is not acceptable anymore and they will find today uh, this week uh, in one billion one billion was a fine due to in insufficient money anti-money laundering processes okay so the stakes become very high for the banks to accept money that even smells or might smell even slightly as something that went by or nearby any terror or illegal activity. So the banks are really literally freaked out. This is what's happening right now because the alliances between countries and between banks in the last 10 years became much more significant for the war in terror. Anti-money laundering laws became a monster. Banks received billions in fines just to, to get it into their head that they have to comply. And Bitcoin puts everything the, until they learn how to not accept dollars and they're still, you know, as we just saw, uh, fighting with that. Here and there, they're still uh, like black money goes into the system, uh, speaking about dollars, until they learn how to manage it or to control it, now they have the crypto and they don't know how to touch it. So they close the door, they shut the door. They say, I don't want to hear about it. I don't know how to check it. I don't know how to verify it. I don't know what the source of it. And even if you will show them, yeah, guys, I bought it on Coinbase. It's 10 Bitcoin I bought in Coinbase. I never touched it. I never moved it. It's the same address. Okay, now I've sold it. And Coinbase is a supervised legal uh, exchange. They will still tell you, I don't care. I don't know. I am not for So the way they will change, it's only when the... Uh, it's only when the anti-money laundering bodies in the country, like the regulator, will say some clear stuff about them. For example, saying that if you buy from a certified exchange, your Bitcoins are white <laughs> in that sense. Like uh, the, your Bitcoins are, are clear, are good. And if you can prove your track records on that. But don't get me wrong. It's not going to be happen very soon. And until this happens, all our Bitcoins, everyone that holds any, any crypto, okay, Bitcoin in, in that case is just a name, generic name, will be banned out of the financial system. Will be banned. And someone who will try to move them into the financial system will be considered as someone who do money laundering. And the stakes are even higher on that, okay? So I think it's a matter of political pressure 
to make the regulators understand that they cannot ignore the Bitcoin anymore and the crypto anymore, and they have to make clear anti-money laundering rules that make sense also in the crypto space. Whatever the rule is, okay? Maybe the rule initially will be very uh, difficult to adhere. Nevertheless, we will have any kind of rules. Right now, there are no rules. So all the banks are just shutting the doors. And they are too afraid to take any decision because they are, they are afraid of $1 billion fine. They, they, they might, it might hit them slightly after. What strikes me as a little ironic about all of this is that, at least for Bitcoin specifically, I think it's actually much better for you know, <laughs> yeah. the goals of KYC and AML uh, Absolutely, than, you know, SWIFT or any type of traditional banking system. And you know, I think it's why a lot of uh, a lot of people, including, you know, Jack and I are also, you know, think there's a lot of value for Bitcoin, but also think there also should be a focus on, you know, crypto assets that are more natively private, because there, there's really nothing private whatsoever about Bitcoin. Well, here's the thing. There is, from the moment uh, encryption started uh, and the cypher, cypherpunk started, it always, and Adam Beck invented the, the, or wrote the PGP code and, and, and wrote it on T-shirts so, so everyone can, can uh, uh, you know, encrypt their data because uh, the court in the state said PGP is ammunition. It cannot be, uh, PGP encryption was considered ammunition. It cannot be uh, sold outside of the states or, or delivered. Uh, this was only about the data protection. But but the question is the same. So how much we vote for privacy, and everyone is saying, yeah, I vote for privacy, versus our need to you know get our money in our control, which means also use the fiat money, uh, and using the fiat money today under the current regulation says, okay, you have to show me the track record of your financial data. So, on the one hand side, you want the bank to go ahead, look at my Bitcoin history and see that I'm not a criminal. I I never did any uh, drug deal with that and I I never funded any terrorists. I'm cool, okay? Get, if I want to sell my Bitcoin, if I want to convert it into a fiat currency, let me do so. Okay, maybe, so this is one drive we want. On the other end, we want the drive that bring out, brought Bitcoin to this world, meaning keep our activities private, keep our activities between the parties involved. And there are many currencies that, that add a lot of protection, and, and not only currencies, but also wallets that are doing all kinds of, pulling and all kind of activities that enhance the, the privacy. So it's like a double-edged sword. On the one side, you can now make a complete uh, fog screen on all your Bitcoin transactions. You can do so by using more private wallets and so on, or, or other currencies that, has no, uh, that are more private. On the, other, on the same time, uh, if you want to keep the opportunity to one day 
put some of the money back into the bank, you have to keep a clear record of that. So my expectations would be that the first step from regulators will be to make a clearer rules of KYC and AML on crypto assets. Then yet, yes, you can still have your private coins or private activities, but you will know that the bank will not accept that, uh, will not ever accept it. Okay, and this is something, it's a risk on your behalf, something that maybe I will take personally, maybe other people will take personally, but not everyone. But this is something we will be able to consider and decide for ourselves. If it's something that we want or this, we prefer to keep the privacy in hand or to, we prefer to keep the option to sell the money and put it in the bank one day. So eventually what people will vote with their actions will create the reality. I think that for now, our mutual, for all the community, we should push for the regulators to make clearer rules and clearer statements about the ability not to outrule, not to uh, blacklist everything that is crypto because it doesn't make any sense. All the most of the crypto users are regular users, like in the bank, and we are not criminals, and we are we are, we are not terrorists. It's just it's just fun. So it's just uh, fake news or or, or uh, hysteric act. But this is what happens right now. Right now, we cannot move any crypto benefits or capital gains back into the banks. Uh, because the regulation is not clear enough and the banks are too afraid from the results of it, from the regulators. They are too afraid. So we want them to be more cooperative. Yeah, we have to have the regulators uh, to go for it. And in order for the regulators to go for it, they have to have their voters, which is us, pushing them in that direction. I think that I think you're absolutely right, but I also am very, very pessimistic just because it's not that I don't think that you know enough voter interest in the issue could change you know the minds of regulators or the actions of regulators. But I just think that the, the system and the incentives of the state are such that it, it would be so detrimental to their current ability to spend and control to allow technologies like crypto to flourish that, they're unlikely to change regulation, even if they could perform the you know, specific KYC AML functions better using crypto. They, I, I we, personally, I, I yeah, I, I'm also pessimistic. I, I just want to say one one note. They will have to have something. Why? Because, for example, there are some funds uh, you can buy, uh, like uh, um, th there are some assets that you can buy, and they hold Bitcoin. As, as their base asset, okay, and you can buy them in Nasdaq or in European, some European uh, exchanges, okay. There are some uh, tradable uh, papers that uh, you know, like Hodel Hodel in Switzerland and others. There are several such assets, and these assets, if they are regulated, and if they are regulated and they hold Bitcoin or other crypto assets behind, 
they have to adhere something regarding anti-money laundering and so on and so forth. And if they will comply, you know, other people will be able to comply according to these rules as well. So I think, yes, maybe the the people directly are not affecting the regulator, but the reality affects the regulator. So if there are more such tools or demand for more such tools, more uh, like investment firms and so on are going into this direction and buying these papers and trying to not buying directly Bitcoin, but buying assets that are based on, on Bitcoin, same question applies. So they will have to address this question. And yes, it will be a slow, slow progress. I'm, I share your view that I'm not very optimistic on that, but, but this is what we have. This is the situation we have. This is like the, the, the main challenge right now with Bitcoin or with crypto in general. Well, I think you're right that it has to come to a head at some point. We'll see when that is. And I think that that sort of impending conflict and the sort of strange logic around those regulations and how they interact with Bitcoin, it to me it highlights the potential and the power of the technology, which we've, you know, I think covered sufficiently. But it's exciting. It's scary. I'm optimistic and pessimistic at the same time about various aspects of it. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see what happens at the very least. And on that note, Dial, I know it's late over there in Israel. It's not beautiful and sunny like it is right now here. Don't want to keep we you from getting to sleep. Really, really enjoyed this call today. I hope our listeners will appreciate it. You know, the perspective you bring as, you know, kind of the rare crypto Bitcoin enthusiast that also you know, really serves the the rails of the existing financial infrastructure. And, you know, maybe next time we can grab a steak together or something. Yeah, we haven't spoken about thing, but, uh, <laughs> and how these two are connected. Uh, believe me or not, these are connected, but, uh, but this is really for another talk. So great time for me as well. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, Zach. Hope the listeners enjoy it too. Yeah, it was a real treat. Thank you so much for coming on.